Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Jew in the City, Allison Josephs, or me. Um, today we have an exciting guest. Uh, we've been speaking to a bunch of our Orthodox Jewish all-stars gearing up for our event coming up in the next couple weeks on December 2nd in Manhattan. And um, today we are speaking to um, who CNN called one of the eight whiz kids who are the future of medicine. He's like Doogie Hauser for 2014. I actually recently... Um, made a Doogie Hauser reference at a class that I was giving at NYU, and the kids had no idea what I was talking about. I wonder if Josh knows. He's a super genius. Um, but we're talking to Josh Meyer, who um, he has won tons of awards in science, medicine, stem cell research. He creates apps for iPhones. He wins Jewish awards. It's sort of hard to sum him up. But we have Josh Meyer on the phone today. Josh, have you heard of Doogie Hauser before? I actually have. At first, I hadn't a couple of years ago. But my, I have older siblings, and they're always, they made references about it. And I, I never understood the joke until one day. I think I remember I was in New York visiting my sister, and, they, and she started playing Doogie Howser, and she's like, this should be your role model. Uh, and I started laughing. I thought it was really funny. Cute. So, um, so first of all, thanks for joining us today. And um, can you just, like, first tell us, you know, because for the different all-stars that we're speaking to, some of them had this interesting career, and then they became observant, and then, so your background is that you started off as a modern Orthodox Jew, am I correct? Yeah, that's right. So could you tell me, like, a little about your just Jewish background growing up, like, you know, um, where you grew up, and kind of, like, any uh, educational stuff, or? Sure. So I grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey. Um, I have a really big family. I have six siblings. Uh, 12 nieces and nephews at this point. We're all very close. My sister actually lives across the street. Um, so growing up, a lot of these, these, these values were like very important for our family. Um, and that's been with me ever since. I went to a, uh, to a Jewish private school until seventh grade. Um, in eighth grade, I was actually homeschooled for a year. Um, and I followed up. I kept on studying these, the Judaic studies. I was competing in international Bible contests. Contest. I had a fantastic mentor who was studying with me, Rabbi Menachem Meyer. And, uh, and we continue to study now. So then I went to a public high school, um, which was an amazing experience. I went to the Academy for the Advancement of Science and Technology. We had a stem cell lab there. We had a electron microscope. It was really a fantastic experience. Um, and over there, throughout the four years, I continued studying with Rabbi Meyer for two hours every night. Um, we studied Gemara. We studied Pada, Rambam, Ramban, a lot of different commentaries. Um, and it was really good, great experience. He's, I mean, he's probably the one who made this, made this happen, made it able to work. Um, and it was really a phenomenal experience. It was hard, like, you know, looking both of those lights up as, at once. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it, and I think I got a lot out of it. So when, when did they discover that you were um, maybe above average uh, in terms of your uh, aptitudes for math, science, that sort of a thing? Like, at what point was it always, I'm saying, when you were a kid, did you, like, start speaking, like, you know, when you were eight months old, or I'm saying, was, at what point do people say, hmm, there's something special about this kid? So, I mean, it's difficult for me to put the finger on that, because I wasn't, you know, the one looking at that to myself. I sure. remember uh, being in kindergarten and, like, being bored that in class, like, they were talking about one plus three equals four. And I remember at that time, my teachers were, like, giving me multiplication problems and long division <laughs> problems, which I like. Um, I think I just, like, assumed that everybody was doing that and that everybody was bored in school. Later on, it got even worse, like in, you know, first grade, second grade, third grade. I remember a time when my, I, I would actually get in trouble in class. I remember there was one time, and I think it was third grade, that my math teacher uh, confiscated my algebra book that I was trying to work on during class. 
And I remember being so upset about that. Uh, but I think it was just, I don't know, I always, in the beginning, I, I always thought that just, like, everybody had to come. And everybody was like, oh, school's boring, we're not doing anything. Later on, I think as I started progressing through middle school, I just realized that this wasn't, like, the right environment for me. Yeah. And uh, at that point, my parents um, eventually allowed me to, you know, take that next step to become homeschooled. Yeah. And, um, and it was just for one year. I don't think it was something I would want to follow on. I think being in a place with other intellectual people is very important. So that's why I ended up going to the academies um, in high school, where I was with like a phenomenal group of students who were very motivated, very intelligent. Um, and it's the same thing now, where I'm at Harvard now, and it's really amazing having such a diverse range of people here, so many interesting people. Um, and I think that that's something that, that I've learned the importance of, having a shrunk. And so, so you were in an unusual situation, um, and you know I've heard of people who've done this before for different you know needs to uh, move into a public school or a non-Jewish environment for high school. Um, was that challenging? Did you feel like you had an opportunity to sort of break down stereotypes as probably being the lone Orthodox Jew in a, a school with a lot of uh, either non-Jews or non-observant Jews? Yeah, so I mean, I actually feel that it makes you have to live to a higher standard. When I'm the one, I'm the only person people know from this background that I'm a representative of these people, then you have, you know, you have to, that, that's always on you. And it's a burden, and sometimes I feel uncomfortable with it, but I think that burden does push you further. Um, totally. in, terms of the, in terms of, like, being comfortable with that, I think what was also a good experience for me is that I had spent uh, the two summers before going, uh, taking classes at Johns Hopkins over the summer, and when I was there, so that was a non-Jewish program, and I had, you know, I was already accustomed to that, that I spent the summer with people, and it wasn't like my first exposure outside this small community. Got it, got it. Um, so walk us through, I mean, there's really just, your your bio goes on and on, and I invite everyone to uh, go to JewInTheCity.com and check out our uh, 2014 Orthodox Jewish All-Stars uh, listing post this year to read more about Josh. Um so you've done some pretty incredible things. You've done TED Talks. You've, uh, you've done some work with stem cells, uh, um, iOS apps. What, what, uh, is there one thing that excites you most in terms of all the various things that you're doing? Or What I like about it is the fact that I'm able to be involved in so many different things. Yeah. I, I don't like that. What scares me is that idea that people end up having careers later on, that you have to go into this field or have to go into this field. Yeah. What I'm really excited about is integrating these fields together. So whether it's like taking Judaic text and taking computer science and like working on a Mishnah Torah for iPhone apps, whether it's going to biology and like then over there using bioinformatics, like using programming to analyze large gene sets. What I, I love when all these fields come together and to say that like one of them excites me more than, than the other is like foreign to me. The way that I see all this is that I'm a scientist, that everything I do is part of that vision and that all this comes together. Even today, I'm in, I was sitting in writing class 15 minutes ago. And we're, we're writing things about literature. We're talking about war stories. But I realized that a lot of these principles that I'm learning are applicable to just a general way of thinking. It's the same way that I'd approach a, uh, I'd approach a passage in the Talmud. It's the way that I would approach a scientific publication. And all of these principles are just like ways of understanding the world, ways of looking around us, seeing what's there, and, and trying to make something of it. So I, I don't think that, that there's one field that, that I closely associate with most. Yeah. So the way that I view it is that there are problems out there that have to that have to be solved, and I'm just trying to grow as a person who's able to tackle those problems. Cool. So now, one of the things that you developed in your iOS uh, app stuff is you took Rambam's Mishnah Torah, Maimonides' Mishnah Torah, and you yeah. 
put that on an app or? Yeah, yeah. So that was actually a fun experience what I did there. So I got online. I had done the text of the mission of Torah. I built some preliminary things at first just to spray fish from places that didn't have any copyright protection on them. So that was fine. I unfortunately couldn't get an English translation because that would have been copyrighted. But I got this information. I compiled it together. I built up databases. Um, and then I built a, the computer software side that would interface all that, taking these databases and then present it to the user. And I built in some other features to make it more intuitive. There's some nice searching features. There's some nice browsing features, bookmarking. And it was a great experience for me also that I was able to take these two different things that I love, both my heritage and computer science, um, able to combine those together. And then there was also the whole part of, like, international marketing, where I would try to get this featured by Israeli blogs, that I had to write emails that were written in, in correct Hebrew. And even that was a good experience in its own right. So it was a rewarding project. It's something that I enjoyed. Um, and it's cool to be the person who published Mission Torah for the iPhone. Hmm, very cool. So you focused on something from Maimonides for this. Would you say that uh, Ramban Maimonides is one of your uh, role models, or are there any other oh, sort of... So that's one yeah. of the reasons why I decided to do it as his work specifically. Maimonides was really a Renaissance man. He wasn't just a philosopher. He wasn't just a physician. He did all. And I think a lot of his values are similar to the values that, that I try and strive for, which is taking all this and realizing that you don't just have to be one person, but it really is possible to do all these different things. Um, Maimonides worked hard for what he did. He was able, in all of his writings, to combine everything together. It's clear when you read the Mishnah Torah, like his background. And that's something that, that really struck me. It's something that, that I would study with Rabbi Meyer very often. Whenever we would study something in Talmud, we would always look this up in the Mishnah Torah, and we would see how Rambam summarizes the work. And I really love doing that because it was someone... It, it was really exciting to see how you can come from any background, and you can really... You can take in your heritage, you can take in your career, and that all of these come together. And that was, it was, it's something that I really enjoy reading, something that's really inspiring to me. Um, I'm reading now a biography by Rambam. I love reading, I love reading about his life. And he's probably, probably one of my role models and most inspiring figures. Very cool. Has anyone ever said to you, like, uh, I know they were surprised to see an Orthodox Jew involved in science, as you have you forgotten that, you know? So, like, what's a religious person doing in the field of science, or not so much? I remember that there was some backlash from the community when I decided to enroll at the academies, when I wasn't going to a Jewish school anymore. People thought I was crazy. People were like, no, you're not going to stick with your values anymore. How can you do that? And I thought to the contrary. I thought that when I was in this environment before, when I school with everyone else, where everyone was doing the same thing, like, how much do you really have to push yourself to strive for these values? And I thought that by going and taking this route, it's actually been better for me. I think that Whenever I go to a science fair and, you know, we're competing on Saturday and, and I have to make arrangements to come earlier, I have to make arrangements to give a presentation at different times, I think that that really, um, you know, it shows the world that, that, like, we can live our principles, but we can also live in, in the modern world. And I think that that really is what modern orthodoxy is about. It's about that you can, you can stick to the values, you can follow the, all the commandments, but at the same time, you can also make advancements in the modern world, that we can make innovations, that we can pursue science. And that's what I love about it, because I think that it's not just studying, I, I, I don't think that, that it's just, you can't just study um, the Judaic text in their own right, you can't just like follow religion and everything, but you do have to live it within, within the world itself, because I think that's what modern orthodoxy is. I think that whenever I work in the lab, in a way that's sort of like a religious commandment in a sense, like I think of that, that this is what my lifestyle is, this is what my religion is, and I'm contributing to the world. I'm trying to make the world a better place. 
And I think that that's really what, like, what Judaism is about. It's about improving our world. Totally. That's, uh, we're, we're very big uh, believers in that uh, city and also in highlighting that because is this now in terms of uh, your you know, becoming a city Orthodox Jewish all-star, had you ever noticed in the past the negative headlines you know, that uh, most papers and news outlets feature about Orthodox Jews? Is that ever anything you had considered before? Or? Yeah, so definitely. I think that a lot of people have a false conception of, of what this is. I think that this is just it's a way of looking at the world. It's like what Maimonides says. He just he's a philosopher, and this is how he approaches different things. And Maimonides was able to do it. Why are people not able to do it today? And, and in any case, I think Maimonides actually had greater success because of it. I, the way that I view all of this is that we have a set of axioms that we subscribe to. Thinking about this, like mathematically even, we have these base set of laws, we have these rules, we have ourselves as Jews. Um, and, and this just like sets ourselves. Like we have our community, we have our values, and then we can strive to, to, once again, pursue science. There's no reason why we can't do that. And if anything, the fact that you have a reason for doing something, and it gives life reason, it gives life value. And I think that that has allowed me to succeed as a scientist. I think that on a technical level, like studying Gemara and studying Tanakh, all of that has allowed me to become a better scientist technically because I'm able to read papers. I think I grow up more intellectually. But even from like a work, that work ethic plane in terms of motivation, I think that's also what, what has allowed me to succeed in that area, which is just like setting myself, giving myself like a reason, like why am I doing all of this? So I think that, you know, I, I wouldn't be, I don't know who I would be without, without having to do it. Very cool. And um, you made some uh, some noise recently. I mean, you've made a lot of headlines with CNN and uh, Fast Company, and you've won, uh, you know, placed high in the overall Intel Prize and, in, you know, number one for, was it science and what, remind me? Um, so, yeah, so a bunch of, a lot of different science competitions. <laughs> now, so as you're making these headlines and you've got your, you know, big kippa on your head displayed, have you heard of oh, from any people? Sorry, I didn't hear what you were saying. Oh, I'm saying as you're winning these awards and you're making headlines and, you know, your kippa is always proudly displayed in the headshots when you're winning these different awards, have you gotten any um, messages or feedback from strangers, any Jewish people that said that seeing you like that gave them Jewish pride? Do you ever get that kind of feedback? Or It's really amazing to me because at first when I started doing all this, I always wondered what are people going to say about this? What are people going to think? They probably never had somebody like wearing a yarmulke at any of these events. And, but really what strikes me is like how people, how open people are to this, how people respect it. I've had Christians come up to me and really admire it and say like, this is really amazing. I remember I gave a TED Talk once, and I was wearing a kippa, and there were these, they were, these were people who had never seen a Jew before. They'd even come up to me and say, like, wow, that's amazing. Like, if you wear a yarmulke, like, what is that? And I explained to them, and they said, like, that's really amazing. Like, they were, one person was a devout Christian, told me that he reads the Bible every morning, and the fact that I'm able to bring that into my life and to portray it and to share that, he thought that that was amazing. And I think people have responded very well to it. I think that, um, I, I, I really, it's really impressive to me how much the world has grown. I know I hear from my grandmother that, that you know, when she was younger, her family couldn't walk around wearing novices. Like in Germany, that wasn't something that was a good idea to do. But the fact that today I'm able to do that and that I don't feel any concerns about it is really a great feeling that people just are open, uh, open to belief, that people respect it, that people are interested. I went to a public school and all my friends, would always ask me about it. Now I'm competing here on the mock trial team. We were just at a tournament over the weekend. Um, they're always great about like helping me make arrangements to like get to the tournament beforehand. 
um, about how I'm able to participate. And I always thought, you know, in the beginning, I thought, well, people are just going to think that this is this is annoying to them. Like, why do I why do I have to deal with this? Forget about. But people really are so accepting about it, and it's it's amazing, like how far our world has come. So I completely agree. I happen to find sort of the recent uptick in anti-Semitic attacks and, you know, sort of incidents since the summer, since the war in Israel. I feel like it's getting a little bit scary, but I agree. Right. We've come right. So very I, far. I completely agree with you on that, on those grounds as well, that obviously you have the other side too. What I think that this shows is like there is potential for it. Like what I'm seeing in science is that, that like the world has positive aspects. And what I think that we have to work towards is how can we solve those problems? Why are there people who are still anti-Semitic? Like, clearly the world is working with acceptance. How can we bring that over? How can we bridge that to these people who aren't? Uh, it's a good question. It's a 2,000-year-old it's a problem. Um, could you try to walk us through in very simple terms? I think maybe if your stuff is probably pretty complicated. It could be that uh, your co-winner, Professor Barry Simon, who does mathematical physics, might be even more obscure. But um, could you <laughs> walk? <laughs> I don't know if you've tried to look up any of his stuff. I really understood. At least I know what a stem cell is, sort of. Can you walk our listeners through a little bit of the work and sort of the discoveries you've made with stem cells? Sure. So in my work, I was working on using the aging process to treat this people. Aging is a process where our cells grow older over time. They stop growing. It's one of the reasons why when people get, when people get older, they don't get taller anymore. Our cells just don't grow as quickly. Most people don't like aging, but if we think about it, there are a lot of medical applications. For instance, cancer is a disease where cells keep growing and growing and growing, but if we could age cancer and stop its growth, then that's a potential treatment. Alternatively, we can go to stem cell technology. Today, I can take any cell from your body, put in a couple of genes, turn it into a stem cell, and I can regenerate organs from your own genes, from your own cells, and that has much potential for personalized medicine. But no one uses this technology because the cells rapidly age. So if I was to take your cells and I would make you a heart, but by tomorrow that becomes like a 100-year-old heart, you're not going to be very happy. Hmm. So instead, I realized that if we can take this aging process and we can reverse it. So instead of making cancer older, if we can make the stem cells younger, then that can also be an applicable treatment. So in my work, I made different molecular discoveries about how aging works on a mitochondrial level. Mitochondria make energy for the cells. I was looking at their DNA. And by understanding the biology of these cells, I was able to engineer different methods for controlling the aging process. And I was able to create a new way of treating cancer that could have potential for future therapies. And I was also able to create this, this new way of, of creating better stem cells. And then finally, where computer science comes in, is I was using computer science, bioinformatics specifically, and computationally, I looked at all these different genes that I had discovered. I looked at my cancer projects, I looked at my stem cell projects, I looked at the different genes that were being involved, and I discovered that a lot of them had similar intersections. That a lot of these genes that were being involved in both cases, involved with the aging process, are also involved in other diseases. So I discovered that these, these techniques I had developed for controlling aging could also work as Alzheimer's treatment, Parkinson's treatment, ALS, fibromyalgia, diabetes. It's just, it was such a, these discoveries were just so amazing to me because I, I started this off as a freshman in high school, just a simple idea of what's going on with the DNA. And, I, and it's, it's blossomed into this project that has potential in so many different biological fields that it's now incorporating interdisciplinary studies like computer science is becoming involved here. There's pharmaceuticals, there's the chemistry over there. And it's really been such an exciting project both as a scientist and as someone whose goal is, is to make an impact on the world and, and try and make a difference. 
That's incredible. And I even understood most of that. So where, so you made this discovery and then where, where is this in terms of like practical application or, or is, is this being worked on right now in a lab? Like, will we see this, like, you know, the, the results of this discovery in a drug somewhere or in a treatment? Like, is, is this happening right now? Can you? Sure. So that's my ultimate goal. I think that if we could take these treatments and if they work, that we, if we can get them to people, that, that would be, you know, that would be my life dream to be able to make an impact with these diseases to help people who right now don't have an option. Where it is right now is um, I, I've made these molecular discoveries. I've shown that they seem to work. The next stage now is testing it in animals, later on doing clinical trials. But the pharmaceutical pipeline really took years. It takes 10, 20 years to get a drug to the market. And the results right now, the preliminary results, are very, are very promising. I'm, I'm continuing with the work here. I'll uh, be working on it here at Harvard and at MIT. There's some great labs around here. There's biotech firms. Um, there's also taking this forward now and actually, like, incorporating this and, like, building a company, um, taking what I'm working on and, and inviting other collaborators to continue working on the project just because when these projects start to grow, they get to a scale where it's just really too hard to do it yourself. Throughout high school, I really was the one person on the project. I really put my life into it, and I still do. But, it's, you know, you get to a point where you can benefit from other people's ideas as well. And that's where the stage I am right now. So, all right, now, I, also part of your bio is that in high school you were the CEO of a biotech company, Provita, Provita, am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, Provita Pharmaceuticals. Is that, is that connected to the stem cell discovery or is that just a No, so that, that was actually a separate company that we had done. So we started that, that company, the idea was that high school kids have great ideas, let's get together, let's take our ideas, and like, let's make them. So we had two drugs in the pipeline over there. We had one drug for hemophiliacs, which we call coagula. And we have another drug called the flying syringe, which actually got a lot of press. The idea behind that is that mosquitoes today can give viruses to people. But we realize that in these countries where there are a lot of mosquitoes giving malaria, we go to a lot of third world countries where they don't have medical treatment, they don't have vaccination, people have a lot of these mosquitoes with these bad viruses, and they have no way to protect it. They don't have vaccines. But we realized that the thing that they need the vaccine really are just weakened viruses. So what we did is we're transgenically engineering mosquitoes to give these vaccines. So we would take these mosquitoes, which we call flying syringes. They would fly around, act as syringes, and they can give people these vaccines. The idea itself has been, uh, has been there's a lot of controversy behind it. There's a lot of interest in it also. There's that whole idea of, that whole question of whether people have a choice. I think that, that I don't have a choice because there's fluoride in my water. So I think, like, governments are able to make some of those decisions. But we've been in contact with the World Health Organization about that. Um, and really, like, from a scientific perspective, there's a lot of promise here. Um, but what makes it interesting is that there are all these other ethical issues as well. Um, and it was, a really, it was a really interesting project. So seeing as we do keep this within the high school, I did pass on the project to new leadership. They're continuing to work on the project right now, getting more data, pushing it forward. Again, these drugs take a really long time until they ultimately reach the market. But it was a really exciting project. Running that and getting that experience with, like, running my own biotech company was really a great experience. Um, and I'm excited to see what, what the next group of, of young scientists do with that. Do you think it will help you with your current stem cell research? I'm saying was the experience you got there will be helpful sort of for taking your next idea. Is, is that part of a company or just sort of an unofficial yeah. thing you're working on? Absolutely. So the, I mean, the work I did at ProVita gave me an understanding of how the biotech sector works to see, like, how pharmaceutical industries work, how to start a company. And now that I go forward now and, like, sort of take that second attempt and try to build up something that's even greater, something that's not just among high school kids, but, like, now we actually want to collaborate with professors, with, with real researchers, 
with people who have lots and lots of expertise, people who have a lot of time to fit into this. I'm taking that next stage and like, you know, going the biotech route with this I, is definitely going to help. Did you see that one of your co-all-star uh, winners this year uh, is a Parkinson's drugs developer? I was, yeah, I was very excited about that. I can't, I can't wait to meet her. So she's actually, a, well, she's in Israel, so she will unfortunately not be able to uh, to join us at the oh, party. Yeah, but I can, I'm happy to connect the two of you to, yeah, um, you know, talk about that. Parkinson's and drugs and... <laughs> Um, and um, we, we just have a few minutes left here. I just wanted to hear a little about, so you've given a TED Talk or more than one TED Talk, or can you can you tell us uh, a little bit about that? Yeah, so I gave one TED Talk at Microsoft headquarters in Seattle. I was invited to, to three other TED Talks, which I said I didn't attend just because of different conflicts with other science conferences and presentations. So it would have been exciting to speak again at those. Um, but the experience in Washington was really amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool to, you know, I really love speaking about this to people. I think that it gives people different ideas. I remember that when I was young and I was starting out here, I would always read a line about, like, people, like I mentioned before, like, Maimonides was inspiring, um, Rabbi Meyer is always inspiring to me, my parents, but it was always interesting to me to read about other people who are in a similar state to me, other high school kids who are working on these projects, and I love sharing this story because if it, if it can impact anyone else, and it, can, and it can inspire someone else to make a scientific contribution, you know, then, then that goal is achieved. And I think that, that by, like, talking about this, by going to these different events, by, by telling people about, like, what high school kids can do, I think, I know it's empowering for me, and I, I hope that it, it can be empowering for someone else. I think that you are inspiring and empowering a lot of people with uh, all the different things. And we're just in closing you. things up. So two more things I want to talk to you about quickly. So you've also won a bunch of uh, Jewish prizes for Jewish, uh, you know, history and uh, Tanakh, Jewish Bible. And um, yeah. you've also started a nonprofit. So if you could just give us uh, a couple, uh, you know, seg- uh, snippets on the, you know, the Jewish prizes you've won and um, a little bit sure. about your nonprofit. So that started out in fifth grade, actually. Um, I was talking about before how in school, like, I was bored often. I remember that the vice principal came out handing out these packets called about the International Jerusalem Contest. And I was, uh, you know, I was looking through the back, and I'm like, okay, the answer is pretty interesting. Like, why not take the test? Um, so I actually sat in class. I started reading through it. Um, I studied a lot at home. I took the first round. I did okay in it, so I went to the next level. Um, and then at each round, they were adding more material. And it just started to become fascinating to me. I really got into it. I was studying a lot. Um, eventually I got uh, a perfect score in the national round. They gave me the first place winner in the country. So I went to Israel. I represented the United States there, and I ultimately ended up winning first place on the international level as well. So that was sort of my, my first exposure to this. And I realized that if I put in hard work into these different things, I would both, I could learn a lot, I could move forward here. It was really rewarding to me to be able to represent the country, to meet people from all over the world. So I followed up with that again when I heard about the International Bible Conference of Fidon Tanakh. At that stage, I started studying with Rabbi Meyer also, and he was great because for, for the Fidon Tanakh, a lot of it is just the biblical material itself. And, and that's, I mean, I love that. It's really, it's, it's fascinating. But Rabbi Meyer was able to uh, also show me different commentaries, different interpretation, and that made the experience even more enriching. So I started studying for that as well. In sixth grade, I, I placed... Um, I placed in the, I, I think it was fifth or sixth place in the country. Um, seventh grade, I came back, I competed again. I won first in the country, so that qualified me to the international level. And then the next year, I won sixth place internationally as well. And in those, those years of, throughout middle school, of really having that intense 
uh, and can set off is great. The fact that I have, like, that GPU right now that can help me with studying Gemara, that I can just, like, talk to people. There's even, you know, people who aren't Jews who don't have connections to the Bible. I think it's even funny that there are a lot of hammer physics that we use today that think people will say that are biblically weirded. I remember that I was, in, I was in my writing class last month, and we were talking about something in Hemingway. There was something, a story where um, one of the, the soldiers were, like, eating cheese together, and we talked about the irony how there's a war around them, and they're just eating cheese. And, and that actually brought to mind something that I had studied for Pidona. I, I think I actually got a question about that on, on the stage, which was about, which was about, uh, about David, about David, how he had to bring, uh, like, wedges of cheese to his siblings on the battlefield. And I thought a lot of that was, like, similar. I wondered whether, like, Hemingway was inspired by that. Like, the stories were pretty similar. And, and it allowed me to, like, see Hemingway in a different light as well. So, like, that, uh, you know, Tanakh is, it's, it's, like, so cool how you can see that this pops up in different places. I would never expect that to, like, help me get an understanding of Hemingway. Um, and to be able to, like, write an essay about that and, like, be inspired by something that I studied a couple of years ago for Fidon. Um, so it was a great experience, and that allowed me, um, I think through that I developed a very close connection with Rabbi Meyer, which enabled me to continue with this, you know, like, dual life, which I could, like, in the, in the morning go to school and, like, do science research, do stuff research, and then, and then come home and, and, and continue to study Gemara and Tanakh. No, John, well, this is amazing. We're just about out of time here now. If you could just um, maybe in just a couple of quick lines, and then we're going to have to close things up. And you've been such sure. an interesting, exciting guest. You've clearly been blessed with a lot of smarts, a lot of great ideas. You're a hard worker. I think I've How, been best blessed also with like the people around me of Olavi Tuchiba, all the people who encouraged me. Um, so okay, yeah, I also want to you know just to say thank you to everybody, um, every single person out there who's had an intellectual conversation with me. Everyone who's given advice, everyone who's inspired me, everyone who's like taking that time to explain things to me, to work with me. Um, really, thank you to everybody. You know, you just answered my question. That's how smart you are. I was going to say, how do you stay humble in this? But I guess you just you just uh, uh, got well, my just, question before I asked. Yeah, it. I mean, I just the to. way that I look at the world. I was even I was talking about this with someone yesterday. That I just look at the world as, as like a lot of of just different people. Everybody has unique things about them, and I just try and like look at the best in everybody and like try and see what I can learn from that. How I can make myself better. And by learning from so many people, like, that's what it is. It's not me. It's everybody else. I think that I am the product of the people around me. And that's why I think it's so important to surround yourself by other interesting people. Um, and it's why I'm so excited now to be starting college and uh, to engage in, in all these intellectual conversations all the time. Josh, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for being someone that um, I can talk to now, and you're uh, enriching me and hopefully our audience now, too. And we look forward to meeting you on December 2nd. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Okay, all the best. Thank you so much, Josh Meyer, for uh, all of your stories and all of your accomplishments and all of your humility. And um, please tune in next week on Jew in the City Speaks.